fruit of our lips in worship. The fruit of our lips in adoration. The fruit of our lips in praise, Lord. Lord, where would we be if it was not for your grace? Oh, Lord. Help us to sanctify you as Lord in our hearts always. Lord, we honor you. We honor you. My God, so beautiful, Lord, in this place. So wonderful, God. So merciful and kind. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of his glory. Lord, we exalt you. You are the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. Stand in awe of you, Master. You're awesome. You alone are awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you would, open your Bibles with me, please, to the book of Luke, chapter 18. The book of Luke, chapter 18. We will begin reading in verse 1. When you got it, say so. All right. The Bible says in Luke, chapter 18, beginning in verse 1, it says, this is Jesus speaking, then he spoke a parable to them. He was speaking to his disciples. That men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now, there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming to me she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his very own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Father, we humble our hearts before you. Before your word this morning, my God. Father, as Pastor Robert said, my God, and we all realize, Lord, we are worthy of absolutely nothing. We are not worthy of salvation. We are not worthy of anything that we are or anything that we have, Lord God. But everything we have is yours. Everything we are is because of you. This world exists because of your word and your word alone. It is sustained by your word. 
Father, although we are not worthy, Lord God, we are called to a higher calling, my Lord. We are called to rise up, Lord God, and be a people of faith. A people, Lord God, whose lives reflect you. Whose lives, Lord God, show this world that there is a God who is almighty, who is all-powerful, who is seated on a throne of glory. And Lord God, even as you are calling Faith Dome, Lord God, as you are calling your body, dear Jesus, to stretch into shape, my God. Father, I ask you, dear Lord, that we would not come up short in our stretching in faith, dear Lord. Father, it is vital to your plans being fulfilled in us. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would give me words, Heavenly Father, that would challenge, that would encourage, Father, that would do what you want them to do, my God. Father, may I decrease in and of my own thoughts and tensions. And Father God, may you increase. May you manifest yourself fully. Speak to our hearts, Lord God. We thank you for this, Lord, and we believe this in the mighty and awesome name of Jesus. Someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. As you know, we have, or should I say, I shared, I believe last week with you something that the Lord had put in my heart probably around November last year is when the Lord really started dealing with me and started communicating to me that the year of 2009 for Faith Doma Fellowship specifically would be a year of stretching. It would be a year that we would truly have to stretch. And I said in the newsletter, if you read the newsletter, and I hope that you take the time to do that because I think about you while I'm writing these things. But in the newsletter, I said there that you would either, that we would either stretch into shape or we would burst under pressure. It was one or the other. Because there's no in-between, because we are either wineskins that are pliable, that are stretchable, and that are, you know, elastic-like, and we're able to stretch as God pours into us, or we are brittle, and we are stagnant, and we are stuck, and we are incapable of housing what it is that God wants to do. And as the Lord began to deal with me on that stretching, immediately I went to him and I said, okay, Lord, that's a great um, one-time message that I can preach to the church because I'm not going to get up there and preach for the entire 2009 and talk about our, um, you know, new wineskin necessity and all of these wonderful things. And he said, no, son, I want you to talk about the first area in which we are going to have to stretch as a church, and that is going to be in the area of faith. And then last Monday when I, was, when I was sitting down and I was preparing for the Bible study on intercession, I came across this scripture, or should I say the Holy Ghost led me to this scripture. And when I read the last verse of the scripture, which is verse 8, it says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And I don't know, but for me, that scripture smacked me in my face and said, all right, son, you're going to have faith in the earth because this is what this is about. When Jesus returns to this earth, we need to be full of faith. Amen? 
We need to be a people that are not walking around with our heads down, but that we are a people that are filled with something that is greater than anything that this world has to offer it. It's greater than money. It is greater than fame. It is greater than success. It is greater than any creation that man can produce, that man can promise, because it is, because it is something that is divine in its origin. It is divine in its sustenation. It is divine in everything that it has to do within our lives. And therefore, it is something that is vital to the body of Christ for us to be able to fulfill and walk in the fullness of God's plans and God's purposes for us here in this earth. Without faith, we will not pray. Without faith, we will be as the opposite of what Jesus Christ requires and says to his apostle. I want you to look at that really quickly before we move forward in this message here. But he says, then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. That word there, lose heart, it literally means to give in to evil. Literally means to give in to evil. What do you mean, Bishop? I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about the desire of the evil one. I'm talking about the desire of the wicked one. You know what the wicked one wants you and me to do? He wants us not to pray with all of our hearts. He wants us to come to God not sure of what God says, not sure of what we should believe. He wants us to come to God not totally, 100%, um, I'm 100% just given to the reality that what God said, God meant, and that God is able to do everything that he promises. That's what the enemy wants. That would be us giving in to evil. To be us saying, you know what, we're going to pray, but not with all of our hearts. We're not going to pray with full faith. We're not going to pray totally believing. And that is what God, Jesus says. And, and, and you know what he does here in this parable, and, I, and, I, and I'm not going to you know, preach on this part here. We're going to get to Hebrews chapter 11 in a moment. But what I want you to realize is that in this scripture here, he gives this, this picture. And what he's literally doing here is he's not comparing himself. Because a lot of people think that you know, they try to figure out some way that they can you know, correlate God to this wicked judge. There is no way possible that you could correctly, if you really know God, compare him to this wicked judge that, you know, doesn't fear God, doesn't regard man or anything like that. And, and so what he's doing is he's giving you a picture of an absolute opposite of him. He's giving you a picture of this, this wicked judge that is not righteous, that does not fear God, that does not care about man. The only thing that this judge cares about is himself. His own things, and he don't, he, he, nobody matters to him. He's got his kingdom, he's got his position, and he's good. And he shows this other picture of this person, which is this widow. A person who has no one to defend her, no one who is going to go before her because in those courts in those days, what would happen is those courts were set up in a tent. It wasn't like us that we have these big, beautiful, you know, courthouses and all this kind of stuff. It wasn't like that. What would happen is the, you know, the judge or the ruler would come into the city and he would set up a tent in that city. When he would set up a tent, he would sit there as the judge, and the people would come to him, and they would plead their cause. Well, guess what you needed? First of all, and, 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 I, and I don't say this to, you know, because I'm not chauvinistic in any way, shape, or form, but the reality is, in those days, women weren't highly regarded at any way, much less widows, okay? Because they didn't have really anything to offer. You know what she didn't have? She didn't have a bribe to give this wicked judge. Hello. Are, are, are you hearing me today, church? She did not have anything that would grant her access to his presence. So you know what the picture is? The picture is her walking around outside of this tent making all kind of noise saying, avenge me. Avenge me. Give me justice. 
walking around because he ain't trying to hear her. And you know what the text says? The t- I have to say this. That, this is just funny because I'm not even trying to fit it in there. But the text says, you know what he says? You know, I'm going to go ahead and help this woman lest she weary me. You know what that really means? Lest she punch me in the eye. That's what it means. Is that funny, right? It's a picture of this old widow lady walking around. Give me justice. And she is so adamant. And she is so passionate. And she is so stirred because she knows that that judge can give her justice. That judge can help her. And you know what that wicked judge does? That wicked judge goes on ahead and says, you know what? Lest she weary me, punch me in the eye, I'm going to go ahead and give her justice. And then Jesus says, look at what that unjust judge said. Now, mind you, there's another thing I think if you heard Pastor Robert say this, when Jesus is talking about these parables, he's not talking about fictitious stories. He's talking about real things that have happened. That's what makes them truth. Amen? Amen. He's giving us pictures so we can understand these things. So this is something that the people obviously are aware of. There's something that they're picturing in their mind. And so nobody does there. He gives us two wonderful pictures of the exact opposite of himself in the judge and the exact opposite of us. In the widow. What do you mean, Bishop? First of all, we have been seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. According to the book of Hebrews, we have been giving, given full access to the throne room of God by what? The blood of Jesus Christ. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, who ever liveth to make intercession for us. Uh huh. We don't have to walk around outside of the tent, so to speak. We don't have to walk around around the throne room of grace wondering if we have a right to come before the judge. He says unto you, therefore, come unto me with boldness, not pride, but confidence, with assurance, because you have need of grace, and you're going to find it there. And mercy, and you'll find it there. And so this widow is the exact opposite of any of us. That's the reason why we should never give in to evil. We should never give in to the desire of the wicked one and losing heart as we pray. The second picture that he shows is this judge is wicked. He doesn't care about anyone but himself. And our God is the exact opposite. We are the apple of his eye. He sent his son to this earth to die for us so that way what? So we could be reconnected to a relationship with him. So we got to understand, looking at this parable here, that Jesus is trying to challenge his disciples and gave us a word for today. Church, you are not the widow and I am not the wicked judge. You are my sons and you are my daughters. Come into my presence with full assurance of faith of what I have said to you and what I have communicated. Why? Because when the Son of Man returns to this earth, this is the most important thing about faith, y'all. He's going to be looking for not just a faith, but the literal translation is the faith. What faith is that? It is the faith in Christ Jesus. It is the faith that is a product of one thing, and that is the revelation of the King of glory. That's what he's going to be looking for. He says, will he not? If this judge got vengeance, he said, will not your heavenly father get vengeance for his own elect? You know what he was saying, church? He was saying, listen, suffering, pain, difficulty, Keep crying out to the king. Hard situations, 
Keep crying out to the king. Because you know what? A lot of times we think that God is slack in his promises, according to 1 Peter over there somewhere, glory to God. But you know what we realize? That there is not a slackness in God. There is a greater purpose in God. So the question today is, are you faithful? Not faithful. <clears throat> Faith dash full. Are you faithful? The reason why that's so important for us, church, is because if we are faithful, we will be found faithful unto the end to fulfill what God has called us to do. But you got to ask yourself that question. Are you faithful? Because church, God is calling us to stretch. And where is he calling us to stretch first? In the most important place, faith. Because the Bible says what? It says we walk by faith, not by sight. Where do we get our faith from? Let, 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 let's just touch on that for a moment. Where do we get our faith from, church? What does the Bible say? It says faith cometh by hearing. Hearing what? The word of God. I love the way my, my daughter's translation is as she does for her school. It is by hearing the word of Christ. It is by hearing the anointed word of the Savior and of the, and of the Deliverer, the one who came. It is by you not just reading. Listen to me why this is important. Because it is one thing to read historical documentation. It is one thing to look at the Bible as a historical book. It is a whole nother thing to look at the Bible as a living document that is changing and transforming your life every time you sit down before it because you are abiding in Christ and therefore, as you are abiding in him, he is bringing new life into you. He is living and breathing and manifesting himself unto you. And so what is happening is when you are hearing the words of Christ, they are not dead words. And they give you what? Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. See, church, I want to let you know something. We desperately in the days in which we live, need people of faith that are going to walk this earth. We need people, men and women, young men, young women of faith that are going to walk this earth and stand firm because they know who their God is. The psalm that we read earlier, he said that when we know his name... <laughs> When we know his will, we know his authority, we know his jurisdiction in his name, we will do what? We will trust in his name, no matter what we are facing, because something has occurred inside of us that has caused this life-giving substance to come to life in us. And it's called faith, church. When Jesus is speaking in this particular parable, he's communicating to his disciples and he's asking them a question that we have to ask ourselves, church, that we have to be honest about. He's saying, listen, guys, I'm walking with you. I'm doing miracles with you. I'm going to speak words that are going to blow your mind. I'm going to show you things that are going to turn you upside down. I am going to redefine this Judeo religion that is now in this, in, in this land. I'm going to do great and powerful things. But when I come back, am I really going to find 
the faith that I deposited in you manifesting through the ones you'll preach through. Hello? Am I going to find that faith? Church, let me tell you something. If there is one thing that I want to be sure of is that when God finds me, that he finds me in faith. Not faith in, 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 in all kind of things, but faith in him. Why? Because that is what is going to produce his plans and his purposes through us. The first thing I want you to repeat after me, please, is we can only demonstrate the type of faith we truly possess. The fact that Jesus was communicating to his disciples, it shows us something, that we have a responsibility to keep our faith vibrant, to keep our faith focused, and to keep our faith full. It is imperative that we look at what Jesus is communicating, and he's saying, guys, it's possible for me to be talking to y'all, and that, you know, the faith is just going to dwindle out of you. I mean, we see it clearly, don't we, when Peter goes on ahead and he denies Jesus. Y'all remember that little story there, glory to God, hello? What was that? I'll die for you. Uh huh. Okay. You're going to deny me three times before that cock crows. Hello. Cock crows. Hallelujah. This is what Jesus said to him. Communicating it to him. Hallelujah. I'm going to say it in the Hebrew next time. Glory to God or the Greek, you know, whatever. Finding faith in the earth. So the first thing that we got to realize is that we can only demonstrate the type of faith that we truly possess. If we don't, listen, you, you can fake it all day, church. You can, act, you, you can act like you got that faith. You can act like you believe. You can sit there. You can know, listen, listen to what I'm going to say right now. You can know every promise that God has in his word back and forward. You can know it in, in, in five different versions of the Bible. You can know the original text. And that does not mean, church, that you are a person who truly has faith. You see, this living faith, not just regular faith, but a living faith is the product of the source of our faith. This is what happens. Living faith is the product of the source of our faith. And so we understand, and I want to make this very clear really quickly. If I haven't made it clear already, I want to be real clear. When I'm talking about the source of our faith, I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Hello. The book of Hebrews tells us, chapter 12, that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Bottom line, he is that source. And so when I'm talking about living faith being a product of the source of our faith, it means that wherever your faith is, that is going to determine how live or dead your faith is. See, some of us have a faith that is only going to last us until 1230, glory to God. That's how long I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach for about another four. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. It's only going to last us a week. Some of us have a faith, and I know this is tough preaching, glory to God, but it's all right. It's going to get you to your next level, or it's going to make you hate me, one of the two. Hallelujah. And it's all right if you hate me. As long as you love Jesus, that's what matters. Hallelujah. Y'all, I love you guys. I really do. I love y'all. I love y'all. If Jesus Christ is the source of your faith, then your faith is going to last you beyond this world. Did you hear what I said? If Jesus Christ is the source of your faith, your faith is going to last you beyond this world. Because every day of your life that you're walking on this earth, you are going to be what? In a connected in an intimate and in a submitted relationship with the source of your faith. 
And so your faith is not just for here. It is not just for now, but it goes beyond here. So what does your faith do? Your faith takes you somewhere with God. The book of James tells us clearly that faith without works is what? Dead. And so we don't want to have dead faith. We want to have living faith. Anybody want to have living faith? Glory to God. It is important that we have living faith, that we have a faith that has a right to live. See, because there's some folks that have faith that doesn't have a right to live. Um, uh, we, we were reading this book, The One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven, and I think George Harrison, that's his name, right, the Beatles guy or whatever, and, and, he, and he was, they were talking about some interview that he was in, and in this interview, you know, they, they, they were asking him some stuff or whatever the case is, and the interviewer says to him, say, or the interview says that it was his faith that got him through his bout with cancer. Sounds powerful, doesn't it? See, listen, guys, you got to really be careful, especially young men and women, because the devil wants to deceive you all day long. He wants somebody to say something to you like God, like faith, like, you know, love God, my Savior, all that kind of stuff. And what he wants you to do is he wants you to think, oh, you know, it's cool that I listen to him or that I watch him or that I follow him or her because then, you know, they, they believe in God. No, 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 no. You better make sure that they have a right to have some living faith. Because the issue was this guy, George Harrison or whatever, he wrote, or he wrote a song, I believe it was called, what, what is it, My Savior or something like that? My, my Sweet Lord, My Sweet Lord. Writes this song called My Sweet Lord. You know what the problem was? The problem was that his sweet Lord wasn't our sweet Lord. <laughs> that, that is a problem. His sweet Lord was a Hindu God. Hello? It's an issue. So his faith, yeah, got him through his bout. <laughs> but in eternity, <laughs> cha-ching, empty. <laughs> My bad, I missed the ticket. Why? Because Jesus Christ said it clearly. There is only one way to the Father. And so the right for our faith to live depends on that source. And can I tell you something? There are too many Christians that have the true source of the only Real faith that can really exist in this earth. And yet we are depleted of living faith because we are not committed to intimacy. We are not committed to obedience. And we are not committed to that source of faith. What do you mean, Bishop? What I mean is, are you committed to listening to the words of your master and those alone? Are you committed to hearing what God has to say and what God has to say alone? I'm listening. Are you committed to giving yourself wholly to hearing what God thinks about those things and these things? Because if you are, then that's one good step. But the next question is, are you committed not just to knowing what God says? Because the Bible says, says that knowledge puffs up it puffs you up oh yes I know those scriptures I'm profound in the Greek and the Hebrew and I understand theological terms hmm. okay puffed up but the scripture says love Builds up. You see, one of them goes straight to your head. The other one goes straight to your soul. One of them builds you up. But you know where that love comes from, church? It comes from intimacy. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. 
My father, he's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that bears fruit, I will prune it so it bears more fruit. Every branch that doesn't bear fruit, I will cut it, cast it into the fire. He said, if you abide in me, listen to this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. This is what he says. Intimacy, church. Intimately knowing more than just scriptures, more than just what the Bible. Oh, it is important. It is imperative that you know the scriptures because your faith comes from hearing the words of Christ. It is important that you meditate upon the word of God. It is important that you memorize the word of God. But listen to me, church. The devil knows the word of God better than any of us any day. And guess what? His eternal destination is not heaven. Hello? He is directly opposed to everything that God stands for. And so we need to make sure that our faith, number one, is connected to the source. Second thing, I want you to repeat this with me. Say the correct definition of faith will help us maintain a living faith. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews, please, chapter 11. And this is where we will be for the next few weeks. There's a whole lot of definitions up in here on faith. When you got to say amen. This is what the word of the Lord says beginning in verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And so the first thing I want us to examine is this word faith because if we're talking about faith, we should know what faith is according to its original definition. And the word that it comes from is the, is the Greek word pistis. And if you're writing notes, I'm going to try to talk slow and, um, and, and give you opportunity to write. But it is very important that you understand this because pistis, which is the word faith, it would say now pistis, and we were in the Greek there, glory to God. It, it is conviction of the truth of anything. It is belief. In the New Testament, it speaks of conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. So according to the New Testament, according to what we as believers should be standing for, when we're talking about faith, it is that we have the ability to have a relationship with our Creator. And that relationship with our Creator usually includes, and I'm continuing to read the definition, the idea of a trust. Because what? Because we have faith and we have entrusted our lives, we have entrusted our future, to who? To God Almighty. And also with that trust that we have for God, it produces a holy fervor that is born of that faith and it is joined with it. So the first thing when we talk about faith is that we believe that we can have a relationship with the creator of the universe and because we know that that relationship is through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, we also realize that we are going to trust everything that we have unto him but not just that we're not just trusting him but we are going to be feverish we are going to have a fervor we are going to have a passion in our service before him 
the second part of the definition as it relates to God. It is the conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider and bestower of eternal salvation through Christ. And so the second portion of our faith is that we believe that God, no matter what science says, no matter what your best friend says, no matter what whoever says, no matter what a church somewhere may say, because I heard of a church that was going to make this big, profound apology to um, Charles Darwin because they were against the whole evolution theory and all that kind of stuff. The devil is a liar, by the way. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But listen, it is that you believe that God exists, that he is the creator, he is the sustainer, and that he is the provider. So who's your provider? You sure? Hmm. Are you worried more about pleasing him or pleasing your employer? Are you worried more? Let me, let, me, let me hit you a little hard. Glory to God. Are you worried more about staying over that little extra overtime just to make sure that your boss sees you? Mm -hmm. So that way you're the last one that he decides to cut if a cut is coming. Or are you saying it's Wednesday night? No overtime tonight. Mm -hmm. Because this is God's time in my life. Sunday morning. I'm going to do everything I can to be in the house of the Lord. Now, I know that, you know, employers don't respect stuff, but I'm talking, you know what I'm talking about. If, if the shoe fits, wear it, glory to God. If it doesn't fit, then just, you know, don't be offended. I'm challenging the faith of my brothers and sisters. If God is really your provider, I'm not telling you to go and quit your job, church. I'm not telling you to go and be disrespectful. What I'm telling you to do is put priorities where priorities belong. God belongs first. Your commitment to him, to loving on him when you congregate with your brothers, to your growing together is before. Hello? Mm -hmm. I, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know what you've been taught. I know, you know, well, well, you know, church and God are separate. Show me that in the Bible. Show me in the scriptures. Look, you, you email me the scripture, and next Sunday I will get up here and I will repent. When you show me that you can disconnect God from his body. We are the body of Christ, are we not? Christ is the head. Hello, somebody. So our getting together, is, anyway, y'all understand, amen? So in relation to Christ, talking about faith in Christ, it is a strong and welcome conviction or belief that Jesus is the Messiah. That means he is the Savior. He is the Deliverer through whom we obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. Do you really believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to obtain eternal salvation? I had a conversation with someone that I was ministering to, sharing the gospel with last week. And when I was speaking to them and I, and I was sharing with them, the first thing that came out of their mouth where they were saying, well, you know, I've progressively gotten better. And I said, listen, I want to let you know something. And I don't mean to be rude or to be harsh, but there's going to be a whole lot of good people that don't make it to heaven. Because it's not about being good, church. It's not about your works getting you into heaven. So the question is, do you believe that this Jesus is the only way for you to be saved? Amen? This word, pistis, comes from another Greek word, pytho, which basically means to persuade or to be convinced. Important, because if you really have faith, you are persuaded and you are convinced 
of everything that God says in his word, of everything that God communicates. I love what Jimmy said. His dad, he's, he, he quotes his father. His father told him one time, you know what the problem is with a whole lot of people? He said is that they're convinced, but they're not convicted. And when you look at this definition, you know, it, it, it kind of like throws a little monkey wrench in that. Because, well, it says you got to be persuaded. That would mean convinced. No. See, what you've got to understand is something. Is that conviction will produce persuasion. Persuasion will not produce conviction. You can be convinced all day long that doing this is wrong, but until you're convicted of it, guess what? You'll still do it. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that cursing and acting a fool is wrong, but until you are convicted of it, you will continue to act a fool and cuss all the time. Hello? So what are we praying for? Well, if you've been hearing me pray, what have, what have we been praying for, church? We have been praying for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to come upon lives because it is the conviction of the Holy Ghost that convinces us. It is the conviction of the Holy Spirit that shows us our desperate need for God. It is that and it is that alone, church. The Holy Ghost has to do it. But that's what faith in that, in, in that portion of the definition is. Now, if you look at the scriptures, you will see it says, now, faith, this thing that we just talked about, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let's look at the word substance for a moment. The word substance comes from a Greek word, hupotasis, and that word means a setting or placing under. It means a thing put under, a substructure, or a foundation. That which has foundation or that which is firm. That which has actual existence. That means that there is really something there. A substance, real thing. The substantial quality, nature of a person or thing. The steadfastness of mind, firmness, courage, or resolution. Confidence, firm, trust, assurance. It comes from two Greek words. One of the Greek words is, is the word, uh, I believe it's hupo, and it means under. And the other word is estami, and what that one means, it means to cause or to make to stand. So I want you to hear it. It means to understand. The substance of things hoped for is because the conviction of the Holy Spirit has put something inside of you and you now understand. You stand under the governing power and authority of God's word. You stand upon it because God said it and you believe it and nothing is going to change your mind. Why? Because he has put the hope in you by his word, by faith. He has deposited within you. The next thing goes on, and he says it is the evidence of things not seen. Now, this word messed me up because when we look at that word evidence, in the original, it reads a little differently. And actually what it says is it says of things hoped for, substance, practice, rebuke of things not seen. Now, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but just stick with me for a moment. Glory to God. That's the reason why they translated it to correct English, because if not, we'll be lost half the time. But the text originally reads like that. Of things hoped for, faith is the substance. That's what it says in the original. And then it goes on to this word. It says, in practices, rebuke of things not seen. 
The first word there, which is the word practice, is the Greek word pragma. And it means that which has been done, a deed or accomplished fact. When you look at these words, these are words that are like legal terms. When you, when you look them up, you see that they are words of, of something that has already happened. It's something that is already done. The next word, which is the word rebuke, is the word elekos, and it means a proof, that by which a thing is proved or tested, and here we go again with the word conviction. And so here's what literally happens, and this is how you know if you have faith or not. This is how you know if faith is really dwelling in your heart. Because what happens is God has imprinted your spirit with his revelation and his will. And that imprint will not allow us to accept, to believe, or settle for anything less than that imprint for our lives or for our future or for that of others. See, when God comes into your life, the Bible says that he writes his law upon your heart. The Bible says that he shows you. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you. And what he does is he communicates to you and he lets you know by his spirit, by his divine way. I told you before, when I was, when, when I was first you know, in the church, I didn't know much about eschatology or anything like that. And there was something that would happen to me, you know, when, when people are talking about end times, you know, talking about the rapture and stuff. I'd be sitting down in the church and someone would start talking about the rapture and there was something that would just go off inside of me like, oh no, there's just something not right with that. And mind you, I wasn't no theologian. By far, still am not, will never be, have no plan to be, glory to God. But I would sit there, and I would listen. And if you came to my teaching that we did when we talked about end times, you understood clearly that the Bible shows us some things that we were not taught. It shows us some things that we have not been able to bring together. So why is this important? It's important to prove the point is that you don't have to have all of the knowledge in the world when you have intimacy with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is imprinting in your heart. The Holy Spirit is imprinting things inside of your soul. And that is where faith comes. Faith is not a feeling, church. Are you hearing me? It's not a feeling. It's not something that you feel one day. No, no, no. Faith is something that should be continually growing inside of you. And when we are people of faith, what happened to the disciples is they walked with Jesus Christ. They had intimacy with him. And what happened? Their lives were being imprinted. And you look, if you look in the book of Acts, you'll see that Jesus, at one point, he came and there was a dead girl. There was a girl they told him that he was going to come and bring healing to. And the scripture says that when he got there, the girl was already dead. And the people said, why do you bother the teacher? Let him go ahead and go home. And what does it say? The Bible says that he put out all of those people who were crying. He went into that room and he caused that little girl to rise up. You know what Peter did in a similar situation when Dorcas had died? He did the same exact thing, church. He went into the room. He, everybody was crying outside. And he said, you know what? I saw my Savior. I saw my Lord. I saw my leader. He went ahead, came into a situation. People were crying outside. And what did he do? He put them all outside and said, I don't need your doubt. I don't need your lack of faith. I don't need your tears. 
I need faith right now. And so he said, I'm going into this room. The Bible says he prayed and he commanded this person to rise up. Listen, why is that? Because there was something that was imprinted in the hearts of these men and women that walked the earth. And church, we need that imprint today. We need that imprint within our lives. We need that imprint working in us. We need that imprint arguing and rebuking. See, because that's when I began to understand the words, practices, rebuke. When the devil is saying something, when you get a negative report, there should be something inside of you, church, that rises up and says, this is not what my God said. This is not the imprint that's inside of me. This is not the way their life should look. This is not the way that they should be living. This is not what they should be experiencing. Why? Because the imprint of faith that God has put inside of you. You pray, like Jesus said to his disciples, with all of your heart. You don't lose heart. I don't care. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by one vision, and that is the vision we have received through God's Holy Ghost in our lives, church. This is what faith is. We want to be a people of faith, or we want to be a people of hope? Hmm. I hope it'll happen. God is able. But is he willing, church? Faith says he is. Faith says he's more than able. Faith says he's almighty. And faith says to trust him in spite of whatever. That's what he says. I'm not talking about faith in faith. I heard a preacher say one day, you got to have faith in faith. Listen, that makes no sense. You got to have faith in the true source of that faith. And that is the living Savior who died for each of us. It is important that we allow God to imprint our lives daily with his will, with his power that we saturate. Listen, this is why it is so important to meditate upon his word daily. This is why God told Joshua, he said, Joshua, meditate on my word day and night. Do not, do not let my word depart from your mouth because if you will do this, you will have, you will be successful and you will be prosperous. What was he saying? He was saying, son, know what I say because the heathen, because the enemy, because your flesh is going to rise up and try to tell you other things but you need to know what my word is and that way you can assure that you will walk in the fullness of what I've said not your fears not your doubts it's called stretching church we have got to stretch in faith you know what little stuff real little stuff telling your co-worker about Jesus for some of us that's doggone going to the 10th floor in one leap. I was telling Adelina, she came over the other day, and um, when she came over, I was talking to this guy outside, and I'm standing out there, and I'm like, you know what, God? I work in this church, and it's kind of tough sometimes because I got a lot of responsibility to do. I don't just sit here and twiddle my thumbs all day and say, okay, well, that's a week. No, there's a lot of things going on. So it's tough for me to, you know, go out there and go and witness. And so I say, you know what I got to do? I got to take advantage of every opportunity that I have. So the dude came to my house, and he, when he gets there, he's doing the window on my car. And I was like, all right, praise the living God. He's finished. I said, you know, I'm leaning over, signing stuff. I said, so what's your name? And he's like, Greg. And I said, okay, Greg. And so then I'm done. And when I get to shake his hand, I looked at him, and I said, I said, Greg, let me ask you a question. Has anybody told you that Jesus Christ loves you? 
And he was like shocked. And I was like, yeah, praise the Lord, brother. I want to shock you right now. Glory to his name. And he's like, you know, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, I know. And I was like, okay. And, and so he's like, you know, I'm, and then he started explaining to me how he's trying to practice his faith. And, you know, he went through the whole thing. And I was like, okay, praise the Lord. And so I'm like, all right, man. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, what church do you go to? Because this is important. See, that's when it got messed up because, see, I realized that my window was closing on me at that moment. And I, and I was like, man, I should have just went to the core right in the beginning. But anyway, God is going to be all right. I'm praying for Greg. Hallelujah. But he said, well, actually, you know, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. And I was like. So I said, well, you know, man, it's just about being born again. I said, you have got to be born again. I said, that's what it's all about. And I said, that's what you need to be, be sure of. And anyway, you know, he went ahead and went about his business. But the point of that I'm trying to say, church, is that for some of us, that is like such a big thing. Listen, listen to me. This is so, so important for us that we hear the word of God and that we stretch with it. God is calling you higher, calling us to a whole nother place in him. And we have a choice in this. We can either let the imprint in us, in our spirit, speak for us. We can do like Jacob did, and we can wrestle with God, or we can go ahead, church, and just say, you know what? It's going to be what it's going to be. We can take some other scriptures and say, you know what? In the last days, perilous times are coming. People ain't going to want to hear the gospel. Listen, you're in the wrong church for that. You are in the wrong church for that. Because there is way too much of God in us, in us, in you, for us to say, well, you know, it just is what it is. Church, this world needs the power of God. And you know what? God is looking for a people of faith. People that will have faith enough to believe for whatever it is that God says in his word, church. The source, the source of our faith is important. So my question for you this morning was the title of the message is, are you full of faith? Are you full of faith? Is your faith growing and showing? Or is your faith just there? When we look through the rest of these scriptures here, and I just want to show you really quickly because I'm not going to get all deep into them. But the scripture says in verse 2, it says, for by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. For by what? For by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. What does that mean? That means that because these people that we'll read about in the next few weeks were people of faith, God testified of them. So what we've got to realize is that when we really have faith that is living, dwelling, breathing, growing in us, it's going to affect every area of our lives. It is going to cause us to receive testimony from God, and man is going to see God in us. But we've got to be a people that are walking by faith. And don't worry if they reject it. Don't worry if they don't understand it. You have got to be a person that is convicted of the truth all by your little self if that's how it's going to be. Because you got to remember, you all by your little self are great with the God who is in you. For the Bible says, greater is he that is in old little old me, that's my translation, than he that is in this world. So me all by my little self and me and my big old God, we can do great and mighty things if I would just be a man of faith. And the same thing goes for you, man or woman of God. You can be a mighty person of faith.
The other thing that we see there is that he says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And living faith will not always make sense, especially to the non-believer. But living faith, church, is vital for their salvation and their deliverance because that to me and to our Savior is what, what, what this is about. It's about faith for them to be saved because guess what? We're already saved. Amen? Come on and stand to your feet, please. Do you need a faith overhaul?